The Metal Mentality Podcast is brought to you in partnership with AM300 and the Phoenix Project. For more information on both, check out am300.com slash metal. I felt alone. Like I was trapped in a cold, dark room. I will be the last to fall. It seemed as if I felt a ray of light. In a world overwhelmed by darkness, how does one move into the light? And it gave me the strength to break free. Hell has lost its power. Be metal and stay metal with consistency. Continually choosing to make choices for a better future. Fortitude. Having courage while overcoming obstacles. Grit. Perseverance of effort combined with passion while working towards being better today than you were yesterday. Once I broke free, I never intended on going back. But I had made a promise that if I ever found my way out, I would return and fight to liberate those still trapped inside. Rest assured, I will be the last to give up. These are metal-minded individuals, and these are their stories. You're listening to the Metal Mentality Podcast. Now, here's your host, Preston Ewell. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. Man, I am so excited. But had to reschedule like three or four times with this, my next guest. Today, my guest is Leah Olszewski, and she is awesome. And I'm just going to let her tell her story and get to know her through her own words rather than me trying to explain how awesome she is and everything she's done. So, Leah, welcome to the show today. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing great. The number one question everybody wants to hear from the guests and the answer is the most important question. It's the reason why people come to the show, I believe, is this question that what is your opinion on Bigfoot? <laughs> I love it. Um, I, you know, anything can happen. Um, anything is possible. So I don't say absolutely. No, I'm going to say maybe, <laughs> maybe Bigfoot, maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. That's good. Yeah, so no, that, I joke about that. It's just kind of a little bit of an icebreaker, but there's something out there. That's all I'm saying. I say it on every episode. There's something out there. I don't know what it is. There's something there. That's all. I'm telling you. And didn't like the government just the other day, the U.S. government released like the UFO footage or something. I mean, honestly, and not that I'm, you know, conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but ah, honestly, to think that we're the only ones, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I think it'd be naive to think that we know everything about this earth. Totally. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Uh, no, we'll go on to the real stuff, though. That's just okay. <laughs> but, go ahead. Tell us about you. Uh, what makes you relevant to the show? Relevant to the show. So I guess it's that tie-in of military service, probably, to a degree. But um, not always, right? Um, so 
I have been around the military a long time, since 1997, which is really showing my age. I hope I don't look good. Okay. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> um, but um, since 1997, I was enlisted for a while. And then I commissioned. I actually was going to completely get away from the military. Uh, after being enlisted, I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. And then I met a really great army officer, believe it or not, who to this day remains my friend. But I thought, wow, you know, there are some great folks in the military and uh, pushed me to pursue um, getting a commission, which, hey, looking back, I know I probably should have chosen the warrant route because everybody knows, you know, <laughs> you start to figure out who you really are. Probably should have done that, but I didn't. Um, and that's why when I talk to people these days, right, I say, hey, consider the warrant route if you're going to go enlisted to something else. But um, I did commission into MI, which not James Bond. I thought maybe, but no, <laughs> not James Bond. It's more like half computer will jump. <laughs> so, um, and that's been actually perfect for me because obviously the older I get, the more I realize having the computer skills is great stuff. But um, so I did that. I, I went into MI and then I actually went to the PSYOP course also. Um, right before they changed it to be pretty extensive. Um, so let's back up. A lot of people might not know what psyops is. Can you tell them what that? Tell us what that yes. is. Yes. Yes. Oh, so psychological operations, but it's not the mind melt. Well, maybe sometimes it is, but it's not exactly the mind melt everyone thinks it is. They think that you know I've got some super special degree in, uh, you know, warping people or influencing, and that's definitely part of it. But not warping, but influencing. Um, but it, it was, it's pretty cool because I remember, um, being able to kind of like, you know, be between those two worlds, MI and PSYOP. And then I, you know, spent some time with both. It was just, it's a really cool place to be, um, where you have a little bit of knowledge in both and they do sort of work off of one another to a degree. So it's, it's pretty neat. Um, I did do that. And then, um, yeah, spent some time, right. With, with doing military duties and kind of decided like we just talked about to stay on the reserve or national guard side of the house. And um, there was a period of, of active duty, well, mobilization basically. Um, but I decided to stay reserve national guard because I had other goals also. And I've been really, really happy with that. I've stuck with that and it's, it's worked out well for me. And you're in the Virginia national guard. Is that right? So I'm actually in the Alabama Army oh. National Guard. And I did that specifically because, so I spent some time at, um, at JSOC, but then after that again, <laughs> I said, I don't know, you know, do I want to keep doing this? What do I want to do? I started government contracting. So I was deploying with them versus the military. Um, I got away a little bit from wearing the uniform and a friend of mine who is in the J4, JSOC, came back around to me. We stayed in touch over the years. And probably, I don't know, I think it was around 2011, 12, he said, hey, Leah, have you thought about a special forces group? And of course, both special forces groups are on the National Guard side of the house instead of the reserve side of the house. So I had to make the switch to National Guard. And I specifically came back in to go to 20th Special Forces group. I um, actually interviewed with them in 2012 or so, and then took an entire year to really make up my mind and say, let's, let's go for it. Um, ended up at the GSB of all places in the world. Which is what? Yeah. Exactly. Support Battalion. 
And yeah, so you're in a, the special forces group support battalion. That's yes. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was a great experience. And I think it was because again, my friend came from J4. So he was, you know, real, he's an awesome, awesome person, awesome officer, awesome across the board. And he was just trying to say, Hey, maybe you want to think about doing, I think it's the 90 alpha or something like doing the logistics side of the house or doing something besides Intel. I'm not trying to push me out of Intel, but I said, that's kind of cool. Let me try it. So I came in, spent about a year and a half at the GSB and then said, okay, I want to go home. I meant I want to go back to Intel. <laughs> so, so I ended up going over to headquarters and doing the assistant to um, position and then the S2 position at 20th group. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of acronyms in there. But I think we got most of them. So uh, even I forget some of them too. <laughs> I'm not calling you out or anything, but that's just the world that we both of us come from being military is every acronym. And I've been in 12 years and I still am like, wait, what's that? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that happens all the time. That's just the world we come from. Right? right. So, so not only does your military service make you relevant to the show, but I want to get into your story because you have, I'm just going to say this. You've been through some real shit and I don't cuss a lot on this podcast. <laughs> But I don't know how else to put it. You have been through hell and back. And I've, I've said a lot of times on the show that each of us will go through our own hell. Yes. And, but the way out of our own hell and into whatever the light or whatever you want to call it, into a healthy life, is pretty much the same for all of us. It comes, it's, it's, you got to know who you are. You got to be consistent. You got to focus on consistency. You got to have fortitude to be patiently waiting with courage. And then until you get out, you have to just rely on your grit. And you were one of the most gritty individuals I know. And that's, it's super awesome. So why don't you get into your story a little bit about uh, being in, in your own personal hell and getting to where you're at now. Right. Okay. Whew. This is going to be the hard part, right? I'll smile. I'm kind of like you. I'm like, Hey, smiles. And you try to um, really think about the good stuff in the future, but, um, going back is a little painful. Um, so in, in 2015, for the first time in my life, I got officially engaged. <laughs> I didn't want to be married before. It's, it's crazy, right? It's just how it goes. Um, but I got engaged. My fiance that I had known for about eight years went overseas, uh, and was unfortunately severely injured and, um, his teammate lost his life basically right in front of him. And so there are a lot of issues surrounding that. I ended up flying over to those locations where they were, um, well, where my ex-fiance was and another guy that, that lived was taking care of him, taking care of them for a while. Um, that was a tough time. And, and after that, uh, he came back really, you know, he had already been through so much in the military, his retired military. Um, that he ended up leaving the relationship and leaving basically everything. And he's still on his own journey. So 2015, around June, July timeframe was a tough time for me. Uh, a few months later, I went to Sears school to get over the broken heart. Uh, and, you know, people were like, Hey, why are you here? You know, a lot of people have to go there. And uh, I was like, I volunteered. <laughs> sorry, I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Sears school is an awesome school, but tell us about what that is exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's survive, evade, resist, escape. 
uh, or some version of that, right? So it's just three weeks at Fort Bragg. There is another version I think that uh, happens with the pilots or something at Fort Rucker maybe, but the one I went to was was the really awesome one. Three weeks of fun and um, man, some of the best people ever. I loved the folks that went to that school with me. And, you know, you can look back now and laugh and stuff, but um, it was it was pretty interesting. It was a, it was a great, great time. And what it did is um, it, like I swear it chemically, like it changed my brain. So when I was going through this period of, I just lost the man that I loved and all this other stuff, it really like shifted my brain, my mindset. And from that point on, not that I, I didn't, not that I wasn't still, you know, bummed and hurt, but it, it changed me and I came out of that pretty good. And I don't know if that's a warped thing to say, but it really helps me adjust out of that. And, um, the good news is that my ex-fiance and I stay in touch to this day. We're good friends and uh, he's on his own journey as well. But that kind of leads me up to 2016 where I was back on my feet, um, you know, ready to go again. I was doing well with, you know, uh, the unit and I had gotten back to my business, um, right? Uh, Femtac and stuff. I had gotten back to that a little bit. I was pitching for funding and things like that. I was doing really well. And I moved to Florida down near the Hurlburt area, um, the Panhandle, lower Alabama, LA. And I met somebody um, that was just like, you know, it was almost, um, I didn't expect it. I wasn't looking for it. It just so happened. And uh, this person was um, an active duty Air Force member though. Uh, who had worked in the special operations community also. Um, but unfortunately, when I met him, I didn't realize like he was not a part of the unit there, AFSOC, anymore. I thought he was. Um, there's a lot behind that, but I thought he was, but it wasn't the case. And when I met him, he was about to be PCS, right, moved um, to Travis Air Force Base, California. So that's how it started. We met, it was kind of fast and furious in August of 2016. He moved, he went to Travis Air Force Base, California, and I stayed in Florida. Yeah. So that's the start of that. So it started. So how long have you been dating when he moved? Only since we, we started talking in May of that year, he moved in August. Um, so between like May and July timeframe, we didn't even really meet each other in person. And it was basically in July that we met each other in person. And I think the first date was, um, you know, the beach, yay. Um, the beach, great stuff that evening, dinner time. Hey Leah, I'm moving to California. I'm being PCS to California. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I meet this person who's really enjoyable and things like that. And, and he's taken off to California, but uh, he was, you know, he was honest about it. And we just continued, you know, until he basically left and, and that was it. Um, so, yeah. What happened after he left? Did the relationship continue? Did you move out there with him? Or what, what happens next? What's the next chapter? Yeah. So in, in August, as he's taken off, he gets, you know, like, down the road on his way to California. And he, he asked me, Hey, let's, do you want to be, you know, exclusive, just you and me? I said, sure, let's do. I ended up spending probably the next 
nine, eight or nine months, about 50% of my time I was out in California with him. So I was basically flying back and forth um, between Florida and California. And pretty much right away, um, the first time I went out to California, I started to see these signs of, I don't know, you're, you kind of talk yourself out of these things, right? But I started to see some small signs of abuse or at least verbal or emotional abuse occurring. But I think, you know, not to, not as an excuse, but I think a lot of us can never really fathom, you know, everybody gets angry sometimes, everybody has whatever, they need time alone, whatever it is. Um, but I have never been able to fathom anything beyond that. So I thought, oh, well, when he gets angry, that's going to be the extent of it. He's just going to be upset. He's just going to toss his bathroom stuff, pull out his drawers. It's just, okay, it won't go beyond that. But it did later on. Um, but anyway, so I spent the, basically the first eight or nine months with a variety of those red flags happening, but never really thinking it could be any worse than that. Not that that's acceptable, but not that it could be any worse than that. Yeah. Mm. So you're dealing with this verbally, emotionally abusive guy and not really sounds kind of like you, like you just expected like, Oh, it'll get better. Or it won't get worse. I can deal with this. And, and it got worse, right? It did get worse. Yeah, it did get worse. And I, so I've never, I'm not the person that's like, I'm going to change him or I'm going to change you. I don't believe in that. Um, I just thought that nothing could get worse. Right. So, um, in we, I was about to move, um, from Florida to somewhere else. I had decided, Hey, I'm not staying in Florida. I'm going to move, but it's probably not going to be to California. And he said, uh, because I told him, I'm like, I'm done with long distance relationships. How many years have I done the long distance thing? And he said, well, why don't we consider them living together? I said, okay. We ended up moving in together in California, um, in Vacaville, California, and at the end of April, 2017. And this is what happens with, with these kinds of situations. It's once you're trapped, once they have you, the real abuse begins. And basically the first night I was there, we were together in the new house was six hours of verbal and emotional, you know, it was horrible. It was a nightmare. And I actually thought to myself, oh my gosh, what have I done? I've, I'm trapped. I just moved all my stuff here. Um, he just drove me all the way across the nation. I moved here and now this is beginning. And then essentially that all, um, it got way worse than that though. So a lot of the verbal, emotional stuff, a lot of the severe verbal and emotional abuse started, you know, the name, the, you know, really bad names for women kind of stuff, the threats to break my neck, um, it, you know, the threats to bust my front teeth out, the threats, those kinds of things. Um, and then five times he put his hands on me, um, once strangulation and the last assault on me on October 11th, 2017. Um, I know people probably don't want to hear about too many of these things, but like, it's, it's, it's really pretty bad. Um, but he ended up kicking me. I was pregnant. I miscarried over the next few days. Um, he had run from the police. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of avoiding some feelings right now. So it's, let me just, before we go any further, I just want to say this, like if you're this type of person, um, just I'm giving you the middle finger right now. Like just, all right. 
No one deserves to be treated like this. And if you do this to kids, don't let me find you. Because nobody deserves to be treated this way. Everyone deserves to be treated with love and respect because everyone matters. Every life matters. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. It doesn't matter what somebody has said or what you have told yourself that you believe to be true. It does not matter. You have worth. You have value. And everything that you do in this life matters. Every word that you say has matters for the good and the bad. Everything has consequences. Your existence has value. It adds value to everyone that you encounter, everyone that you talk to. Whether you're aware of it or not, it adds value to that person's life. Right. I'm talking, yeah. It's it's hard because I talk to other other women who have been victim survivors. Um, And I'd like to touch on that in a second real quick. But we're all the same, I mean, in that we never want anyone right, to suffer or be hurt, Um, but we know the right thing needs to be done. So I've had many conversations with even my sister who's uh, in federal law enforcement, that's also about that, but like that the guilt and the the, the way you deal with when um, it started to look like he would get in trouble and I would call her and say, oh, I feel bad and horrible, but at the same time, I knew that was the right thing. You don't want people to suffer, but you know what's right. It's not even tough love. It's, hey, you committed a crime. You need to pay the price. And, um, and so <clears throat> there, there's absolutely right. You, you want them, well, you get to a point where you stop thinking about what they need or what they want or any of those things, right? Because it's, it's sort of not my call on the justice piece. It's sort of not my call on what, you know, God's going to do or any of that, any, anything like that. But um, I do want accountability and responsibility for crimes, right? Of course I do. And whatever that turns out, it looks like in the end for him, so be it. I have no control over that. Um, but for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm the person who wants, that's why I kind of stayed in that relationship. I want, I want to uplift people and I want, you know, I wanted him to come along and let's go and grow and do all these great things together. But, but you have to realize with an abuser or an abusive person um, is that no matter what you do, it's never going to be good enough. It's never going to be right. You're going to be jumping around trying to do this, trying to do that and it will never ever work. You're going to try to use logic against them. Um, You're going to try to use love with them and it's just not going to work with them. They're illogical. They don't actually love people. Um, It's more of a a front to manipulate and get what they want. Um, So, you know, over these, these many months that this was going on, I was, uh, I was writing people. In fact, many times over, I wrote friends. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta leave. I gotta get out of here. Um, and then he would take my phone, read it and like explode. He did that all the time. He would take my phone away from me so I couldn't call friends or police, but, um, he would read it and explode. So you can kind of see in my text messages and calls to people, how the pattern was, you know, every time I said I was going to leave, it got worse. Every time I was going to leave, it got worse. Um, until it was just happening so often. Um, and it was getting progressively worse. And, 
Um, the hard thing about it too is that he tell he would tell me about his past, and you would think that I would process it and say, "Oh, get out of here," but that's what happens with domestic violence and abuse is that you really get roped in, and it is it becomes the physical is bad enough, the emotional, psychological is um, it's it's crazy what it does to you, and that you stay and you're trying to get them help and you're trying to get your, you know, it's just, it's a very bad place to be. Um, but what I will say is that going back to, I said, I wanted to touch on other women earlier is that um, I want people to know that are out there that are either experiencing this or have friends or family experiencing this, that because it's happening to you, you're the victim doesn't mean you're any less, right? I think most people would look at me and say, that happened to Leah. Oh my gosh, no way. She was so tough and so strong and so, so on it. And she had, you know, her business was going well and this was going well and we could never expect Leah not to leave a guy like that. But it happens all the time. You'll see women who are, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, a lawyer, whatever it is you do for a living, but you'll see some very tough women, including some of his ex-girlfriends. And these ladies are, they're awesome. They're awesome. And some of them still serving man, they are so cool. Um, and you'll see a lot of women. I just recently got connected to a lady who has a PhD. She's an economist. She works for this huge global organization. She spent two years in Africa living without running water. I mean, this lady is awesome and she's experiencing the same thing. It happens to a lot of different people. You should not be ashamed by it. Um, you should reach out for help and, um, and realize you're not the only one in, in any way that, you know, if anybody ever does want to talk about things, not only like um, possibilities, what's safe resources, I'm happy to, to always talk to, to women, men, it doesn't matter because right, at, especially within the military, um, you don't just see it with women. I've known an 18 alpha, right, special forces officer who was being abused by his wife. So things happen to a lot of different people and um, it doesn't mean anything about you. It's, it's really about that other person. Yeah. Uh, that's what I want to get into next. But before we do that, I want, how can people get in contact with you if they, if they're struggling or they have questions? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, right? I think it's just a forward slash Leah Marie Olszewski or something like that. But you can, you can also Google me, my first name, L-E-A-H and then O-L-S-Z-W-S-K-I, my last name. And I pop up on the internet now because of, uh, I testified in front of Congress um, last September about domestic violence in the military. And then I also pop up because I've been in the media quite a bit about it. Not something you want to be known for, right? But it's just what it is. So you can Google my name. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can also um, email me at Leah at Um, Any one of those ways uh, you can find me. I'm, I would love to talk to people because if nothing else, I can't solve everything, but I can possibly shoot them off in the right direction. That's awesome. That's why I want to have you on the show. This is why Leah is awesome. Not everybody's willing to talk about this stuff and share their experience and then put themselves out there and help other people. Testifying before Congress is, that's kind of a big deal. I don't know if you know how big of a deal that is, <laughs> but it's a pretty big deal. And the fact that you're willing to do that to protect other people mm -hmm. and yeah. to get justice and to make sure that this doesn't happen. Um, it's just awesome. But yeah. you're, you're just awesome. Thank you. So, so you're talking about there's the self-hatred that people have. Mm -hmm. And I think that was where I want to get at. I, I wrote down potential, uh, someone's potential versus their internal self-hatred. And mm -hmm. I think, tell me if I'm wrong, 
and I might be, and, but I think oftentimes when you, you enter into a relationship, most of us fall in love with that person's potential. That's what we look at. Like, man, they could do so much. They're, they're, they, you know, their potential is awesome. They could be an incredible individual. And then as you get further into that relationship, uh, everyone puts a little bit of a mask on to begin a relationship, right? To yes. protect, it's, just, it's a self-preservation thing that we do so that we are, um, find as we're wading through these waters to find out is, is it safe or not? And then as that mask comes off, we get to see people for the, the self-hatred that they have. And everybody has things that they hate about themselves. And we all have things that we wish that we can improve. But the people who truly have that self-hatred, they cannot love and accept themselves for any way for who they are. Once that mask is removed, they can't put it back on. And that's when the abuse begins. Am I, am I correct in that? Absolutely. And then the, the, the biggest thing is, I think it's hard, especially when you, that, most of that, right, probably comes from childhood and what have you. It's almost, uh, see, I hate to say that you can't change, right? That's not what I want to say, but it's really hard with some of this very heavy, heavy negative stuff from childhood, 20 years of it or whatever, to change especially when you continue to lie to yourself about who you really are, what you're really doing and things like that. But it's extremely hard to change that. Um, and so as courageous as I am, I wish that those people as courageous as I feel, whatever I have been or other women or other men have been, I would love to see the same courage in those folks because it takes, it would take a mountain of courage to actually say, oh, I'm not good and I did wrong and let me do something about it. Because he, like, for example, so he would tell me, I know I'm bad and I know I'll need counseling the rest of my life. But is he going to tell everybody else that? No, of course not. So. And then are you going to go get the counseling? Are you going to get right. that? Right. And then once you go to a counselor and they hit all these soft spots in you and they hit all these insecurities, are mm -hmm. you willing to address them? Are you willing to take ownership for the, the things that you need to take ownership for? And I think that's why most of us struggle with becoming fulfilling our potential is we're unwilling to be accountable for uh, our actions, um, the words that we say, but I think more importantly, the words that we tell ourselves. So I imagine in his head, he's saying, yeah, I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible person. And every once in a while, he probably, he probably would say like, I'm a total piece of human garbage. And so he acted like garbage. Nice. Which is sad. And it is. It's horrible. I'd and, hate to be him. Yeah. And then to take it out on somebody else is even more sad. You'd hate yourself so much that you're willing to abuse another person because you just can't deal with life. That, that's, that's a tough situation to be in. But it doesn't, it's not acceptable. We, we all have a responsibility to ourselves first, I think. Mm -hmm. if we're going to change, we want to be better. We just, you have to be accountable. Right. And, I think, yeah, there's a lot to that. Yeah. It's, and that's accountability is huge. And it's hard because when you're accountable, it's painful. It, yeah. Especially to yourself when you know that you could be doing better and you're not to really look at yourself and say, wow, I'm, I'm failing myself right now. Mm -hmm. I, I am 
I am letting myself down. I'm not, and then if you, especially if you have a family or, or in a relationship with somebody else and they've been any type, any committed relationship, um, even your coworkers at times, you can say like, I'm letting these people down because I'm not being the best version of myself. Right. And, yeah. and, and the hard part then, even with, is to be consistently the, the best version of yourself. That, that's, that's really where excellent people are, are is that they're consistently being the best version of themselves. And that's something that I struggle with every day. Some days my wife will say, like, you could have done a lot better. And I'm like, eh. and sometimes I don't want to own it. And I'm like, oh, I give myself a B for a dad, you know, and I get all defensive, right? <laughs> she's like a B. <laughs> she's like, maybe a C. Maybe you had moments where you were a B, right? But, and, it, and it's, consist- it's hard if we give ourselves letter grades. If we were cons- to consistently say, that you are, if you were able to consistently give yourself an A, that means that you're being the best version of yourself. That means that you're being better than you were yesterday. That means that you're growing. Sorry, I'm going to rant there. That's something I'm real passionate about. <laughs> it's entirely, no, it's entirely true though, all of it, right? So I think you're right. The first step before you can grow or do anything, go, 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 higher, 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 you have to admit to what you've done in the past to either let yourself down, let others down, whatever it is you need to admit to that. Um, and so clearly like in, in my situation with, with him, for example, to this day, he's lying to court, to law enforcement, to this, to that. And so he, and I, I know I'm spending a little bit more time on him and really, but it's, he's not going to grow. And as bad as I feel right in the end, I can't think about that. I just know that he's not going to grow me. I look back and I think about, okay, what, you know, this, and I kind of analyze and realize where, you know, in the future, pay attention to these red flags and things I'm going to grow. And, um, but right. You have to admit to your past. Right. Um, another thing about, so for him, he has 10 years of workplace violence and domestic violence right after the testimony, after the media, and then the certain, you know, layers of leadership said, you know, no, no, no. So they just kept shuffling him along, kicking him out of units, kicking, kicking the can down the road. None of them, even those folks, right, outside of him, none of those folks actually ever took responsibility. And I think that's huge. Like it always, 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 the first thing is to take responsibility. So I have to take responsibility for my time with him when I didn't leave. I have to take responsibility for other things in my life. The same. So yeah, I think it's, that's the first step. They always say that it's the first step and it's entirely true. Yeah. And, and I just want to point out too, with you and your situation, uh, what happened to you in no way is a reflection of you as an individual and a person. And I think a lot of, I say that for you, not only for you, but for anyone who's listening, you might be in that situation because a lot of times we think that because we're in this situation, it means that we're bad and we're bad for not stopping it or we're bad because we didn't get out soon enough. And whatever shame is telling you, um, just because something bad happened or you did something bad, it doesn't mean that you're bad. Right. None at all. Not at all. So even you can see like with my situation, um, his self-hate, right, came out on me and he wanted me, you know, misery loves company to join him in the self-hate world. And as I, as time went on, I was slowly but surely going into that lack of confidence in myself. All of that was being ripped away from me. And it is extremely damaging to not just me, but to other people. Um, So I never, um, if, if somebody who has done, made a mistake, done something really bad, 
you know, not that they're bad, but really bad had, would ever come and like say, I'm really sorry, I take responsibility. I would believe that person has the potential to be great and do great things again. Like I would never say, you're just, you know, the end and you're the evil end and stuff and you just need to go die and fade away or something. I think that people, even though they may, <laughs> they may, may need more help than most of us. Um, but I, I try not to self-hate on myself too much. I do feel some bad and some guilt. And those are things I have to deal with for the next few years in counseling. But, um, but I think that is a big thing. You have to be, check yourself. Make sure you're not hating too much because forget it. Like it, it tears you up, but you're going to probably push that back out either at work, at home, something like that. It's just, or, or you're going to hurt yourself. And that's just not acceptable either. Um, cause I've been there. I was, I was almost, I was on the verge of like, okay, I give up. I'm done. You know, this is really, really, really hard. Um, but as I got away from his abuse and I started to regain my confidence and start believing in myself and seeing, wow, all these great things I'm going to do down the road. And these people love me and all this stuff that, that feeling of, you know, just wanting to fade away, lay down on the ground and fade away, went away. So I think there's a lot to be said about trying even baby steps, baby steps to be okay with yourself. Um, yeah. Baby steps. Hey everyone. I just want to take a minute to tell you about an amazing nonprofit organization doing incredible things for others. As you may remember, I had the privilege of interviewing Kirsty Ennis in episode 18. She is an individual with some true grit and just some real metal. And she wants to give that same mentality to other people who are struggling. The Kirsty Ennis Foundation's mission statement is to inspire individuals to stubbornly climb the mountain in front of them. We aim to show the world that we control our circumstances. They do not control us. This is awesome. That's what this entire show is about. It's about finding that mountain in front of you and overcoming it. Using what you're struggling with as a catalyst to become a better version of yourself. What's really cool about this foundation as well is they have 100% volunteer-based staff. Nobody gets paid, no salary. All the money that is donated to the foundation goes to the programs that they have to take people outdoors and use outdoors and mountain climbing as a process for healing and becoming better versions of themselves. So what they do is they financially support other deserving nonprofits through a grant application cycle that they do. And when they go on these climbs in these other countries, these mountain climbs, they recycle medical devices such as wheelchairs and prosthetics for the local people who live in the countries where they're doing these climbs in the mountains. Incredibly awesome. I encourage you to check out their website, www.kirstyennisfoundation.com. See if this is the right fit for you, if this is something you would like to donate and be a part of to change the lives of other people. Yeah. So once you got out of the relationship, how long did it take? for those baby steps to be for you to be able to start taking those and how long did was it before you really started to to see the progress of those steps you've been taking yeah so i would say um i probably was severely depressed for 6 to 9 months to a year and i mean that was a lot of crying, laying around, um, just all of that, right? The, the real bad, depressing moments, um, not really focused on working, anything like that. 
what changed it for me was I basically somewhere along the line, like six months into it, decided I can either choose this path, like uh, down the hole, depressing, lay in bed, do nothing, or the only other thing I could think of at that time, which wasn't necessarily like, oh, I suddenly love myself and I'm suddenly happy with my life. It was action. So that's why I have like, for example, on my website, I'm very big into action and not action as in anything that's criminal or anything like that. But doing something, like if you don't like something, to do something about it. So for me, I turned my energy into some sort of action, which was to battle the, you know, branch of service, right? The, the Air Force in this particular case, um, not battle, but to try to get them to do the right thing. And, and that's how I had, had an outlet to a degree. Um, it then, I mean, this is still going on, right? How many years later um, with regards to congressional involvement and things of that nature, but so I've seen little steps, but what helped me open the door in terms of his accountability or responsibility in any form or fashion was me becoming vulnerable again and reaching out for help because there was no way I was going to manage this on my own. So I reached out, you know, to senators. I reached out to um, Protect Our Defenders, a great organization up in, in Tyson's um, in Virginia. So I reached out and I said, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do to make this right? And through doing that, I started to feel more empowered and better about myself. Um, that's why I'm just a big believer in, in action. So if you feel there's like an injustice or something of that nature to go legally and without hurting other people or yourself to find a way to improve the situation. So I did that. Um, I would say it took me probably through 2018 to really get back to feeling a little bit better. And then last year was even better. Um, took a little bit of a step back earlier this year due to some things going on. But I mean, it took a while. It's definitely not an overnight thing. Definitely not. And so that's why I'm a real big fan of like, hey, you can't like grab, you can't eat the whole elephant elephant in one big time, you know, one time or whatever. You can eat little baby bites, take little bites, take little steps. And that's all that's going to get a lot of us through sometimes. What I'm hearing, the one word that keeps coming to my mind is fortitude. So you got out of the relationship while you're in the, while you were going through hell, you were uh, focusing on your grit. Like, okay, how, I just dig deep, get through this. You got out of the relationship, dig deep. Just staying alive sometimes on a daily basis is, is quite an accomplishment if, and when you're really in those dark places. And I don't mean to minimize that at all. It truly can be the fact that you've, you're struggling, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is you and your situation, but in general, if you find yourself in that situation where you're extremely depressed, can't find a purpose in living, um, and, and just, just feel hopeless. That hopelessness, sometimes just fighting that hopelessness and being willing to stay alive another day and hoping that tomorrow gets better, that, that, that takes strength. So if you find yourself and you're listening to this and you're, you find yourself in that situation where not taking your own life feels like a victory, you're right. It is. It is a victory. And it will get better because everything in this life is temporary. Life itself is temporary. Eventually, one thing that we all go through is we'll all be born and we will all die. Everything else is unique to every individual. Even siblings who born with the same same parents who, like in my situation, my parents are still married. And I have six. There's six kids in my family. Every one of us had a different experience in that same home. It's true, all of it. So I think people who um, 
and because I've been there, so I feel like I can talk about this too, like you have, right? That that if you, the, I don't like extremes, right? Because one extreme usually leads to another extreme. So if you if you're feeling bad and then you're hating on yourself for feeling bad, that's going to cause this other. I mean, just too many extremes. So I would say if if people are in bad moments, um, it's okay. It's okay. Like it's okay to feel bad. It's okay to feel sad sometimes. It's okay to be angry sometimes. Um, it's okay because I think if you are comfortable with that and just let yourself feel for a minute, that eventually you will pass out of that. It's usually when people are like, "Oh, I just want to. I want to hurt myself, or I want to hurt somebody else," and then they're like on the other shoulder, right? They have like the angel and the devil. And it's like, no, but don't do this and do this. And it's back and forth. And there's actually an in-between. If you just let yourself like feel for a second, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. And then let it, let it pass. And then tomorrow will come. If you have to go to bed, I've known people severely depressed and they said, yeah, I just decided I go to bed at 6 PM at night, start again tomorrow. It's a new day. And that's all they could do. And that's all I could do. I was doing hour by hour a lot of times I was doing day by day. Um, so for me, sometimes when I'm feeling bad, I'll just say, Hey, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to watch Narcos for a little bit, dumb out, whatever it is, go to bed early next day and then go. And that's all you can do to get through. And I think that's completely fair. You should give yourself a break because when you don't, it's also, it's again, it comes back to that self hate. Well, I hate myself for wanting to hurt myself and I hate myself for this life and I hate myself for what I did or what somebody else did or whatever. Kind of let that go. Let yourself feel for a second and then move on. And, you know, as best you can, it's not that easy. I, I realize. And I think you and I are in the same boat, right? We can talk about these things because we've been there and we're still right. It's like anything else. It's a constant, you know, thing for all of us as it's, none of us are hundred percent um at all none of us are no no we'll never be perfect mm -hmm. and and I, I see all the time if you're not growing you're dying mm -hmm. and if you're not moving forward you're becoming stagnant and stagnant water spoils right becomes rotten because stagnant <laughs> stinks it's gross <laughs> it's got bacteria and stuff growing in it right so don't become stagnant yeah. because otherwise you'll become useless um, and then you, you're dying. You're not. And so, yeah, man, there's, there's, we're about out of time here, but I definitely, I definitely feel like there's more we could talk about in, in, in your story and sharing your experience because um, I think we've only scraped the surface of, of what, what I know. And I think there's probably more to it too that I, I'm not aware of. Um, but I was, I want to, I'm going to kind of, I think this might be a good point to wrap up here. Uh, but let, let's have you back on let's let's, let's talk about more because i know there's other big stories and, and and you've got quite some experience that a lot of people could benefit from and uh but uh do you want to do you want to plug your website you want to you want to promote your website because in your company oh femtech yeah I, I love it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah sure why not um so yes femtech right my sister and i she was a Black Hawk pilot. She's actually the really cool one in the family. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's, um, she's also, my sister's really cool. But yeah, my sister uh, and I started a company called Femtac. And 
Um, actually just got some funding in 2017 before things rolled downhill, but Femtac women's apparel and gear, and we've taken it away from just being solely tactical. Cause I know that's a lot of questions, you know, a lot of things that people ask us about. It's more for women working in field professions. So construction, journalism, media, what have you, um, farmers, things like that. We're, we're going to be, you know, coming back on board and doing some R and D and getting some, uh, getting some products out. So we're finishing up with some prototypes now. So back on the horse again. See? <laughs> so you can find femtech.com, right? That's your website? Femtech.com. Yep. That's yep. it. Yeah, absolutely. That was a really cool idea. Like imagine like when I put my Kevlar vest on, especially with the plates in, um, what that would, <laughs> that doesn't fit my body. I can't imagine a woman's body. <laughs> I know. I don't think any more about it. You just imagine that they're heavy, uncomfortable vests. They don't, they don't, they're not form fitting at all. That's pretty yeah. cool doing that. Yeah. Empowering women in their professions so that they can be yeah. more productive. Yeah. Yeah. Performance safety and comfort. That's what we're kind of looking at. Um, so yeah, working with some great tech companies and things to, to make it the best it can be. And that's, so hopefully the goal is to be like the Sarah Blakely, right? Women know Sarah Blakely and Spanx, but um, to be like that, but for women in field professions, because I mean, my sister and I've been there, done that. And we want to, want to help and we want to include women in the process, right? We're not going to be 5'11 and we're not going to be <laughs> any of these. We want to be more of an inclusive and just really listen to the customers and put good products out. So yeah, you can find us at thefemtac.com and um, please reach out to me if you uh, if you want to know more about anything or, you know, R&D or product line that'll be coming out. It's good. Awesome. Well, I think everybody can just got a little sample of your awesomeness and how awesome you are. In fact, I forgot to mention this, that you designed the website, my website for the show. It's terrible. No, it's not. It's awesome because I could not create something like that. And, and, and so I, I'm super appreciative of you for that. And so you've listened to this. So you want to see, visually see some of the awesomeness Leah's created, go to check out the website, metalmentality.org. And on there, you know, plug our t-shirt program. You can buy, if you buy one of our t-shirts, you get one free and you get one to that free one is for you to give to someone who's struggling. So maybe they're in a situation like Leah has, was in before, or maybe they're struggling through addiction or maybe uh, this uh, quarantine and the COVID-19 has caught, put them in a situation where they're struggling. Give them one of these t-shirts introduce them to the podcast. And by doing so, uh, allows people to know like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I care about you. You're not alone. There are people out there who want to help you, uh, invite them to take action. I invite you to take action today. Go to the website, buy a t-shirt. They're pretty awesome. And I'm going to be sending you one Leah. Well, let's come back. Let's do this again. And let's continue this. And I, I man, there's so much we got to get into. So I'm super no kidding. Right? It'll give me a chance to change up my, uh, my hat too all right yeah awesome it's beautiful all right well we'll go ahead and we'll we'll see you on the next episode sounds good hey guys be sure to follow the metal mentality podcast on social media and as always if you find value in the show please leave a review and rate us five stars on apple Podcasts. but more importantly Share this podcast with someone you know who would benefit from the messages from the guests on each episode. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Metal Mentality.